You are listening to the Long Hollow Students Podcast. For more information and to stay updated, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at LH Students. Man, can we give it up for Brooke, please? You know, a few things that she mentioned in there was uh, D groups and life groups. If you're interested in a discipleship group or, or, or joining a life group, we've got multiple options of what that looks like. We'd love to get you connected uh, in that. And so see me, see Kate, see one of the pastors, uh, and we'd love to get you connected. Well, hey, my name is Will. I'm, I'm the high school pastor here, and I just want to welcome you again. I know Kate welcomed you, uh, but I want to personally say welcome. We had some guests, first-time guests here. So glad y'all are here tonight. If you are a first-time guest and didn't get a gift, we've got a gift for you uh, outside, so please see one of us. We'll be glad to, uh, to get you one of those. Uh, you know, one of the things we're wanting to do is we're wanting to implement what we're calling house rules. We've had some for a while. We have some new ones that we're implementing. And one of them is we want to give God our best. And, and what that means is when we come in here, uh, we want to make sure that we're giving God our utmost attention and give him the, the des- uh, credit that he deserves. And, um, and, and one of the things we know uh, we think is going to help with that is eliminating distractions. We're going to add that house rule to the list. And, and that could be multiple things. That could be you being distracted outside and a lot of things going on outside, uh, and you come in here and you feel distracted. Uh, it may be the neighbor sitting beside you uh, who's talking the whole time or, or nudging you or trying to hold your hand, whatever that looks like, uh, maybe distracting you. And so we want to ask you, uh, we've got just a few minutes while we're in this time in here together. I want to ask you uh, to not get up and go to the restroom, uh, not to talk to your neighbor, not to be on your phone, because we want you to give God um, your best. And we also know that you could be the one that is being distraction that could keep somebody from the Lord talking to them and, uh, and possibly changing their life forever. And I don't want you to have that on your conscience, you know what I'm saying? So we're going to ask you to hold the conversation to a minimum, not to be uh, a jerk, but we have adults in the room that will ask you to leave if you're being a constant distraction, because it's very distracting for me if you're up here. But I don't expect that to happen tonight. So just want to lay that foundation there. You ready for that? Will, you good? Awesome. He's ready to roll. Well, hey, man, when we, uh, we, we started our series last week, uh, I'm Not Who I Was. And so many of you are seeing the shirts, you're wearing the shirts. We're going to encourage you to wear those every Wednesday uh, for the entirety of this series because it's sparking conversation. Um, we have one person that actually had an opportunity to invite four friends just because they wore the shirt and it started conversation. And they were able to share their story about how they're no longer who they once were. So it's awesome. That's the reason we're doing it. Or we have cards that you can take and pass out at school. You know, last week we kicked off and we were praying for God to do something amazing and crazy, and he did. You know, out of my five years that I've been at Long Hollow, last week was probably one of the most, um, the highlight, if you will, of all the weeks that I've been on this campus uh, here for three years. I've been here five, but I've been on the Hendersonville campus for three and a half years. And last week was epic for me because I saw the Lord do some amazing things. You know, we shared a video last week of Derek Mastin, similar to what uh, Brooke's story was. Not the same story, but the same video type. And in that, we saw the Lord do some incredible, incredible things. Um, I talked to a couple students uh, between middle school and high school, and one of them in particular said, man, the whole time Derek was talking, the Lord was just wearing me out. And so once the sermon was over, uh, he knew instantly when I gave the invitation that he needed to give his life to Jesus. And that was just one story. And isn't it powerful how one person's story can impact another? Isn't it incredible? I'm sure you're watching Brooke and you're going, man, I can relate to that. Or there's some things that she said uh, that, that are hitting home to me. Isn't it incredible and isn't it powerful that your testimony, your story could potentially impact somebody else's life? Maybe even somebody that you don't know. And so... Last week was just epic for me. Our team, man, our, our phones were blowing up all night, Wednesday night, from you guys and from our team on Gallatin, uh, middle school service. It was just an incredible, an incredible 
night. And so we're expecting the Lord to do some amazing things through this series, and we hope that you are as excited as we are. Uh, and so we hope you'll join us in that in excitement. But tonight what we're going to look at uh, is, is hopefully uh, will be something that impacts you by us looking at a story in Scripture of one man's faith and how their faith, how his story would eventually impact someone else. And what we're going to see tonight, our big idea tonight is simply this. It's simply walk in faith. It's that simple. Our big idea tonight is walk in faith. Can y'all say that on three? One, two, three. Beautiful. Now, what is faith? That's a question um, that, that a lot of people have asked over uh, the period of life. And, and that's a question, that, or that's a, a word, rather, that we throw out often. Faith, salvation. We used omniscience was a word last week. Omniscience mean? Hey, there we go. Y'all listen. So we throw out these words every once in a while, and we're like, what does that really mean? Sin, faith, all these things. What is faith? Well, faith by definition uh, is this. It's complete trust or confidence in someone or something. You see, faith is having faith in things that we cannot see. So it's having complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, there's so many things in life that we, uh, that we have faith in that maybe you don't even think about on a regular basis. Now, we can't see wind, right? We can't see it. Now, you can watch a hurricane. You can see it messing the trees or, or throwing things around like, like houses and stuff like that or a tornado. You can see uh, what happens, but you can't see wind, right? But you have faith that there is wind because you've seen the power of wind. Or you can feel, like right now, it's like a breeze. I'm freezing. Anybody else freezing? And it's like you can feel the wind, but you don't see it, but you trust that it's there. Or... Uh, I, I, would, I would beg to say that no one walked in here this, uh, this evening and goes, I wonder if this chair is going to hold me up. And you Googled it to see if a chair will hold you up. No, you had faith that the chair is going to hold you up. You walked in and you sat down, right? You go to school, you walk in, you sit down. You know that it's going to get you, it's going to support you, it's going to hold you. You have complete trust and confidence that it's going to hold you up. Or what about a bridge? Anybody afraid of bridges in here? Anybody be willing? Awesome, awesome. So what I'm about to say, I'm not by no means picking on y'all or making fun, so I just want to clarify that. But there are people, uh, like some in here, that have a fear or a phobia of bridges. Now, I don't know if y'all know what this is, if y'all have ever heard of this, but there's a legitimate phobia and an anxiety uh, that is characterized by the fear of bridges. Did y'all know this? Like, there's seriously people in the world, I don't know how severe y'all, y'all raised your hands, maybe y'all can relate to this, where you're like, I can't go certain destinations because I know there's a bridge in between or on that path. And so there are people with this phobia that, that miss out on life or, or their life is hindered because of this lack of faith. See, they don't have full trust or confidence that the bridge is going to carry them across. Now, if you don't have that, if, you, if your idea of a bridge is like you sitting in a chair, you're like, how is that possible? For, for those that raise their hands, this, they're going, now, this is a real issue for me. It's hard. Now, did you know, often I see this, that the same concept, that lack of faith or that lack of trust, we see that often in believers' lives, in, in Christians, people that say that they know Jesus, there's this lack of confidence and trust in Jesus and who he is. And so because of that, and maybe this is you, maybe, maybe you're the person because of lack of faith, uh, not lack of faith is like, I believe in Jesus, but lack of faith that he can do all that he says he can do. And because of that, you miss out on all that Jesus wants you to do, or all that Jesus wants to show you. 
And because of that, your spiritual life is hindered, much like the people's lives are hindered. They can't go over bridges. They can't go certain areas. And think about how big the world is, how many places they could go if they could simply get over that and they could have faith. So hopefully in our time together, here's what I want to accomplish. Um, I, want to, I want us to see how that you and I can fully, truly walk in faith. And what we're going to do is we're going to use Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13 uh, as our encouragement. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 8, and we are going to dive in there. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5. Here we go. It says, when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him. Lord, that's key, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in a terrible agony. He said to him, and am I to come and heal him? Verse 8, Lord, there it is again. The centurion replied, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but, you say, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority. Having soldiers under my command, I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 10. Hearing this, Jesus was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I say to you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. I tell you that many will come from uh, east and west to share the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Seems pretty intense. Verse 13. Then Jesus told the centurion, Go, as you have believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very moment. Let's pray. Lord, we pray over our time together. Lord, I pray that your, your word would land on the hearts of those it needs to land on. God, I pray that we walk away um, encouraged uh, this evening. God, that we pray, I pray that we walk away equipped. Uh, and, and Lord, I pray that we walk away knowing that you were here with us tonight. And so that's in your name we pray. Amen. So as we dive into this passage, the first thing that we're going to see um, that I want to point out is the centurion's acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord. And so if you look at our first point, it's faith is acknowledging Jesus as Lord. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says this. It says, Lord. Everybody say Lord. Say it like you mean it. Lord. Lord. Yeah, there we go. Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible agony. Now what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord? That's a great question. We need to answer that question. That is pivotal for our faith in Jesus because we have to understand that Jesus is Lord. Now, Lord in his definition is this, someone or something having power, authority, or influence. It's a master or ruler type of idea. Y'all track it with me? Something having power, authority, or influence. It's master ruler. But Jesus is much more than this definition says. He's much more than that. You see, he is our shepherd. Jesus is our guidance. Jesus is our protector. Jesus is our provider and our hope. You see, we may think that that description uh, that I just gave of, uh, of Lord, we see, we can look at that as similar to a boss or someone that micromanages um, your life. Your every move is micromanaged. Anybody ever been under this type of leadership? Uh, I have. It's not great, right? And so everything you do is being dissected, is being micromanaged. And what happens is um, it, it becomes pretty overwhelming. And, and what happens is, is as you're being overwhelmed, it seems that that word Lord is someone that is intending to kill your joy or to rob you of your joy or to limit your freedom. Because micromanagement is, is basically you're handcuffed. Like you've got the ability to do things. You've been guided to do things, but they won't allow you to do them to your full capacity. 
So you really, you feel like someone is like literally lording over you and keeping you from being all that you were meant to be. So the Lord seems to be that type, but what we see is Jesus as Lord is anything but that as believers. You see in John 10, 10, John chapter 10, verse 10, it says this. It says, I have come so that they, talking about you and I, may have life and have it in abundance. So we see here that Jesus himself says, no, 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 no. I want you to have life and I want you to have it in abundance. So our joy, listen to this, our joy when we follow Jesus, our joy is actually heightened. Not hindered, our joy is heightened. And our freedom, think about this, our freedom is abundant. But how many of us look at Jesus as Lord and we describe Jesus as Lord as that boss or that ruler or that micromanager? You see, we don't look at it as our freedom is, is, is abundant and our joy is heightened. We look at it as I'm limited. I can only do certain things. I can't do other things. And Jesus is trying to tell you, no, 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 no. When you truly surrender to me and you are all in for me and with me, man, everything has changed. Because I say this often, you know this, but there's no regrets in the economy of God. There's no regrets following Jesus. You're never going to wake up on a Saturday morning and go, "Mm, I shouldn't have done that. You know what I'm saying? And and so that's what I need you guys to look at. Jesus as Lord is actually protector of your life. And I think it's important for us to regularly evaluate this. We need to regularly evaluate whether or not Jesus is Lord in our life. Understanding the definition that I described Jesus as, not the micromanager, Not the lording over, but the person that intends to give you more joy and more freedom. We need to regularly think through this. And to do this, I think we need to evaluate what takes precedence in our lives. And only you know that, right? Only you know what takes uh, priority in your life, what is the most important thing in your life. What lords over your life? Think about that for a second. What lords over your life? So how do you know who or what is lording over you? I think it's as simple as this. Ask yourself this question. Ask yourself this question. Maybe even write this down in your notes. Who or what is sitting on the throne of my heart? Ask yourself that question every single day. Who or what is sitting on the throne of my heart? The central, uh, the, the who I am, the, the centrality of myself and my heart and my mind and my thoughts and my, and my language. Who is on the throne of my life? You see, this is important for us to ask because whatever is Lord of your life, listen to this, controls you. Think about that. Whatever is Lord of your life controls you. Now, you see, you see this. Jesus, oh, got a little tight there. About cramp myself. Jesus, um, and then I sat right back down. Isn't that weird when people do that? They're like, stand up and sit right back down. That's distracting, especially when I talk about it. Anyways. (laughs) Jesus may be Lord of your life, and here's the thing. You may say, Jesus is Lord of my life, but here's, here, here's, here, let me explain it this way. I've got a pig for you. So we want Jesus to be Lord of our entire life, right? So this is you, by the way. Sorry, not trying to be offensive, but this is you. So we want Jesus to be Lord of our entire life, all right? But here's what happens. Jesus, really, what I want is I want you uh, to be Lord of my life, but actually I just want you to be Lord, uh, not, even, not even Lord over that. I want you to be Lord over my Sundays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be good. Lord, if you were just Lord over my Sundays and my Wednesdays, uh, I'll give you that. And so we give the Lord our Wednesdays and our Sundays and say, you're Lord over those days, all right? And what we, what we <laughs> quit laughing at me, you're distracting me. And then we, what we, we say, all right, well, I'm good for you to be Lord of that, but you're not gonna be Lord over 
my friend groups. No, 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 no. You're not going to be a lord over my friend groups because I want to be in control of that. So whether or not I'm in a God-honoring friendship or not or a dating relationship or not doesn't matter. Lord, you're not lord over this. Jesus, you're only lord over my Sundays and my Wednesdays. All right? Now, Jesus, you're not going to be lord over uh, my sports. All right? That's something I'm good at. That's something I'm passionate about. You can have my Sundays and my Wednesdays, but you're not lord over my sports. And you're sure as heck, can I say that? To Jesus, because I'm talking to Jesus, right? Lord, you can have my Sundays and my Wednesdays, but my cell phone, no, 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 no. I'm gonna continue uh, to carry my phone into my room at night uh, when nobody's around. I'm gonna continue to make that my passion and my desire. And what happens is, you don't understand this, so here's what happens. You give Jesus Lord over your Sundays and your Wednesdays, but you keep your cell phone to yourself, and what happens is the cell phone becomes Lord of your life. And that Lord does steal your joy. That Lord does limit your freedom. And you can go on and on and on. Lord, you can't have my gaming, you can't have X, Y, Z, you can't have my obedience, you can't have whatever. But here's what Jesus is trying to say. I need to be Lord over your life so I get your Sundays and your Wednesdays, right? There we go, little pink bunny. Wait, that's a pig. But you also, Lord, you're gonna have my Sundays and my Wednesdays, but you're gonna have my sports, you're gonna have my friends, you're gonna have my relationships, you're gonna have my gaming, you're gonna have all the things that you have given me an ability to uh, be a part of, and Lord, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna have all of me. You get everything, Lord. You are Lord of my life, and what that means is when you pull back the layers, you're Lord over every ounce of my being. Y'all tracking with me? Does that make sense? You see, but what happens, this stupid thing, well, what happens is we often limit what Jesus is Lord over. You see, the truth is this. The truth is this. As funny as this is, the truth is this. Jesus is either Lord over all or he's not Lord at all. Let me say that again. Pastor Robbie, uh, that's his quote. It's not, it's not original to me, but he says Jesus is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. So my question to end this point is this. So how are you doing how are you doing at acknowledging Jesus as Lord? And one thing that I know is true in my life is that he cannot be Lord of all if I do not have complete trust and confidence in him. And that leads me to my second point. Faith is complete trust and confidence in Jesus. Faith is complete trust and confidence in Jesus. I have to walk in faith and have full trust and confidence. You see, the centurion not only acknowledged Jesus as Lord, as we just saw in point one, but he had complete trust and confidence that Jesus would hear him. Think about that. That not only would he heal his friend, his servant, but he would actually hear him. Even so much that he had sent others to find Jesus and to ask him to heal his servant. Now, I don't know if y'all knew this or not, but based upon what I just read, it sounds like it appears that the man is standing in front of Jesus, right, having this conversation. But here's what I didn't know, and I thought that too, but when I dove in a little bit more, I come to find out that the centurion was actually not even having the conversation with Jesus. I had no clue of this. Did y'all know this? I had no clue. See, what would, we wouldn't be doing this story justice if we didn't look at both accounts. We have Matthew's account of what's happening. We have Luke's account of what's happening. And we're going to align them to see what actually is happening. So here's the bottom line. Matthew doesn't mention this, but Luke chapter 7. Everybody turn to Luke chapter 7 real quick. Luke chapter 7. I'm going to show you this. This is the stuff that gets me excited about the Bible. All right. You read one thing, you think you've got to figure it out, and it's like, nope, you don't. All right. Luke chapter 7, verse 3 and 4. It's actually 4a, the beginning of 4. 
we're going to see that the communication between Jesus and the centurion actually comes. uh, It's happening between these Jewish elders, right? Here we go. Verse 3. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, requesting him to come and save the life of his servant. Verse 4. When they reached Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly. All right, so from that, we see that it's not the centurion who's actually in front of the man, right? Didn't know this. Anyways, so let me explain what's going on here. In layman's terms, in Will's terms, this is how I have to think, by the way. This is how I interpret the Bible sometimes. I have to put it in personal, uh, personal application. And so it's going down like this. When I was growing up, we were, I mean, I, we were rough towel. We're boys, right? Boys do what boys do. We get in trouble. We hurt each other, and, and bad things happen on occasion. Not all the time, but on occasion. All right? So there were times in my life when I'm hanging out with my boys, someone may get hurt or injured at some point in the game, right? Just saying. Whatever it is. Paintball, shot in the eye, whatever happens. So we're, we're outside. We're playing. Somebody gets hurt. Arm snaps. Whatever it is. Stick a drill bit in your arm. In case you're wondering what's wrong with my arm, stuck a drill bit in my arm. Awesome. Took a chunk out of it. I'll show you later. So here's what happened. It is disgusting. And distracting, I'm sorry. So here's what happens. So somebody gets hurt, there's three of us, all right? One of us stays back, we're like, bro, I got you. Don't show me your arm, that's nasty, it's disgusting. Bone sticking out, don't pass out. He stays here, everybody else does what? They're booking it, they're going to get help. So they're going to find mom and dad, and they're making up some crazy story, said it really isn't as bad as it looks, it's horrible. And they're, trying to, they're going to get help, and they want them to come back. That's what's happening. The centurion is here and he's saying, go get Jesus because this man is about to take his last breath. I know that Jesus can heal my servant. I don't need to be there. I don't have to be the one having the conversation. I trust, I have faith, I'm walking in faith that Jesus can and will hear me and heal my friend. Now, why is that noteworthy? Why is it important for you and I to recognize the differences? And let me say this just really quickly. You're going, that's a little confusing because it really sounds like two polar opposites. Pastor Robbie said this to me, and it really just helped me understand things like this. Imagine you're at a stop sign, a four-way stop. Two cars at the same time run the stop sign. Boom, accident happens. You're on one side of the accident. I'm on the other. The accident happened. We saw this car hit this car. doesn't matter whose fault it is. You may see things that happen. Oh, yeah, dude flew out the window. I'm like, I didn't see anybody fall out the window, but this car, the window, uh, collapsed. And so the same thing happened, but what you saw and what I saw doesn't mean that you're right and I'm wrong. It just means I saw something different. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Same things happen. Car accident happens, but what you saw was different than what I saw. But the central theme is the car accident happened. That's what's happening here. Hopefully that helps. Didn't distract you. Anyways, so it's important for us because of this. Jesus was amazed. Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. Think about that. You see, the the centurion knew that he didn't have to be in the direct physical path, as I said. He didn't need to be in the presence of Jesus for Jesus to carry out the miracle. And this means that the centurion realized that Jesus' power, listen to me, Jesus' power was beyond Jesus' direct physical proximity. You don't have to have Jesus right in front of you for Jesus to answer you or to hear you. And this should cause us to pause just for a moment and to think, does this sound familiar to us? Because here's why. Here's why I ask that question. This means that the centurion chose to ask Jesus to answer him exactly the way that you and I do on a regular basis. And what I mean by that is this. You and I don't see Jesus, right? We don't... 
we're not standing. Like I can see Kennedy's right in front of me. You and I can have a conversation. Not right now, but maybe later. We can have a conversation and I can hear you and you can hear me, right? That doesn't happen with Jesus, right? We, he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, but we're not having a conversation and neither is a centurion. So I think it's really unique. And, and, and a guy said this, an author said this. His name is Jesse Campbell. He says, because we live on this side of Jesus' ascension, meaning into heaven, he's ascended into heaven, we must do as the centurion did, and that is send word to Jesus. So centurion sent word through, delegate, through a delegation. We send word through prayer. So he sent people to speak to Jesus. We speak to Jesus the same way. And here's the point. We don't have to see him to have faith that he exists. We don't have to see him to have faith that he does answer us. The key to our faith in Christ is believing without necessarily seeing. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, for you are saved by grace through what? Through faith. And this is not of your own doing. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So we have to walk in faith. So you as believers, you're saved by faith. And because of that, our faith is essential for our relationship with Jesus, and our faith should set us apart. So faith is what sets you apart, point three. Look at verse 10 again. It says this, hearing this, Jesus was amazed. There it is, he's marveling, he's amazed, and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel, no one in Israel was so great a faith. I tell you that Many will come to the east, from the east and west to share in the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, as we continue to, to think about how amazed Jesus is, how he marveled at what's happening with the centurion's faith, we see another important detail. And it's actually a very important detail. We see that Jesus was pointing out the sad truth that the centurion, who grew up in a pagan culture, by the way, who grew up as what we would consider an, uh, 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 a lost family, if you will, an unchurched family, that he had more faith than the learned Pharisees who grew up in this intense Hebrew educational system. These were what we would consider the churched people, the good kids, the good people, those that know a lot about scripture. And Jesus says this, he says, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. And see, this was the accusation against all of Israel. And these are some pretty powerful words. Jesus is, act, is accusing the Pharisees of having very little faith, while this man, who grew up in a pagan culture, has more faith than you. This is powerful. You see, Jesus compared the difference in the church to, with no faith to the Gentile with faith. And what that does is he's showing us that there's something that sets us apart, and that's our faith. So my question for you is, what sets you apart? You as a believer in Jesus, what sets you apart from everyone else? Think about that. Does your faith, how you live out your faith in Jesus, does it set you apart? It could be as simple as this. We're teenagers, so this is stuff that you, uh, that you deal with. Think about your music. I mean, I, I had a conversation with someone the other day, and there's evidently a new song out that is completely Chris Brown song or something like that's like stupid and trashy and nasty. But a lot of students in this ministry were discussing that song and talking about how awesome it is. So for me, that doesn't set you apart at all. That makes you just like everybody else. 
right? So the music you listen to, right? It seems very simple. What's on your iPhone? What's on your iPod? What are you listening to? What are others listening to? Or your language. So this doesn't seem like a big deal. So what? I say a few cuss words. So what? I gossip a little bit. So what? I, I lie a little bit. Your language, is it setting you apart or do you look like everyone else? What about your obedience? Does your obedience set you apart? Now that could be for parents. That could be uh, authoritative figures like coaches, teachers, etc. And that could be your obedience to Jesus himself. You see, do you think that your church attendance, and we say this a lot because here's why, Jesus recognized it in scripture, so we have to recognize it as well. And all of you know that there's people that come to church and they think just because I come to church that I'm good, right? I'm in church, I'm sitting in church, I'm good. I'm here on Sunday, I'm here on Wednesday, therefore I am good. So do you think that your church attendance is what sets you apart? Or in reality, are you just blending in with the world and every step you take, you're not really set apart at all? Now, that's not a guilt trip. That's for you to evaluate. Because what our prayer is that we see a generation of young people like you that raise up and begin to set themselves apart because of their faith and people take notice. And because of that, we see this movement take place of young people that are fired up, devout followers of Jesus that don't want to blend in with the world because the world says one thing and we don't want to be an outcast, but we literally choose to be an outcast because of our faith. Our faith is what sets us apart. That's our prayer. You know, one of the greatest ways that we can be set apart is when God doesn't answer our prayer at all, or at least not the way we want him to answer it. Think about this. One of the greatest ways that you could potentially be set apart in your faith is you to pray for God to do one thing and him not do that at all, for him not to answer the way you want him to. When something life-shattering happens, when your world falls apart, maybe that's what God is going to allow in your life for your faith to be set apart. You see, it's not always God's will that people be healed. And I don't want to paint a picture that just because you pray for God to heal someone, I prayed for my grandfather for, for months and months and months and he didn't heal him. We prayed for Pastor David for months and months and months and God did not heal him. So sometimes the answer is no. And we have to be okay with that because we have to understand that God works all things together for our good and his glory. And that's not cliche, that is scriptural, that is true. And so maybe something life-shattering has happened in your life because God wants to use that to spotlight your faith and to encourage someone else. We talked last week about C.S. Lewis's quote, and he said, God shouts in our pain. You see, the pain is when God oftentimes grabs our attention the most, right? That same author said this, he said, the greater purpose behind the healing miracles Jesus performed was the lessons to be taught through them. While the suffering servant certainly received Jesus' sympathy, the greatest thing to come from this healing is the story itself. A beautiful piece of the Gospels that has impacted countless people for millennia. So maybe God has chosen you to endure what you're going through because he's using this as a teaching opportunity for you and for others. And as well to strengthen your faith. And we would all agree that people notice genuine faith, right? People notice when people are real. So walk in faith. My last point, we'll close out with this, is are you walking in faith? So taking our big idea, walking in faith, and asking you the question, are you walking in faith? Verse 13 says, then Jesus told the centurion, go, as you have believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very moment. Now, isn't that amazing that they're having this conversation with Jesus and, and them asking and them recognizing the centurion's faith. He says, boom, he's healed. Go. They weren't there. They didn't see that the man was healed, but they trusted. 
They trusted Jesus' word. They trusted that he was true. They trusted that he was good on his word. Do you trust God in his word? Do you truly trust God and his word, that his word is true and is real, and do you have confidence in his word? Are you studying God's word? Do you believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do? That's a legitimate question. I think that's something we all wrestle with based upon circumstances in our life, but do you truly trust that Jesus is going to do what he is going to do? And often we ask ourselves this, what if I prayed for something? And maybe, you, maybe everybody in this room has prayed for something in particular before, uh, and it just didn't happen, and because of that, you think that God isn't good. You think that God doesn't hear you. You think that God doesn't care. And I'm, I'm just wanting to let you know that that's not true at all. I've seen God do some amazing things in the pain of others, in the pain of myself. You see, the question we need to ask ourselves is, does my, is my faith strengthened when things happen that don't go my way, or is my faith shattered when things don't go my way? Is your faith strengthened in the difficulties, or is it strengthened in the difficulties? And because of that, are you able to influence others and strengthen others' faith because of what you're going through? You see, faith in knowing God is sovereign over all things means that you know that he knows what's best, that he works all things together, like I said, for your good and God's glory. Last week, I explained it like this. All the series of events in your life, the good, the bad, the the ugly, all the things, he takes all those things and he puts them together. He works them together for your good, whether you recognize that or not, for your good and ultimately his glory. But you have to recognize it. Is your faith strengthened or is your faith shattered? Our walking points tonight is actually one walking point. It's this. It says, our faith in Jesus is strengthened by his word. Our faith in Jesus. How does our faith strengthened? Our faith in Jesus can only be strengthened by his word because when you get into his word, you read things like we're reading today and we recognize that God is good on his word. That regardless of however you're praying, it says, scripture says, pray without ceasing. Mean never give up. Keep praying. Even if the answer isn't what you want. Keep praying. And I would suggest that you get into his word and you pray that Jesus is Lord over all. Ask Jesus to be Lord over your pig-shaped body. You know what I'm saying? Because if Jesus is not Lord over all and you recognize that tonight, ask him to be. Ask him to be so you can be all that you were intended to be. I know we've had several people in here tonight that there's several different things that are probably racing through your mind as I'm telling this story, as I'm talking to these things, as we're watching Brooke's testimony, as we're remembering Derek's testimony from last week. All these things are racing through our minds. And I also understand that some of you are having the greatest days, greatest week, greatest month, greatest year of your life so far. But what I also know is the complete opposite is true for some of you. It's the worst day, worst week, worst month, worst year. And some of you know without a doubt that you're walking in faith, that Jesus is Lord of your life and others are struggling to walk in that faith. I had a girl last week that said, I made a decision to nail down a spiritual marker in my life that last week was a a week that she's gonna remember forever to help her walk in faith. And maybe that's what you need to do tonight. You need to nail down a spiritual marker to remember a day when you said, you know what, I'm gonna be passionate about Jesus again. Or maybe tonight you're going, I don't have a faith to walk in because I I don't believe in Jesus and and, and we're glad that you're here. And we want to give you an opportunity. So regardless of who you are in here tonight is what I'm trying to say.
regardless of who you are, where you are, what you've got going on, I just want to offer an invitation for you is when we, when we start here in a second and we go back into worship, I want us to ask you when the worship starts, if you need to talk with anybody, we have adults that would love to talk with you, to pray with you, to talk through things with you. Um, you can join us in our next steps area through the door to my left, your right, and we would love for that to happen. Maybe you're in here tonight, you know, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to make him Lord of my life. Then I'm going to ask you to join us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk about that with you. Or maybe you just need to, to pray over some things you got going on. You want Jesus to be Lord of your life. We're going to ask you to do that. We're so glad you guys came and joined us tonight. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to continue to worship.